love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a PhD holding historian, a professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that makes legit, seriously researched American history come to life through entertaining stories. Join me for a chronological telling of the United States story, from the revolution to fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way from 1776 to the early 20th century. Listen to History That Doesn't Suck on Spotify. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So it's really hot today down in our little dungeon studio that we have, and we thought if we brought the dogs down here for this recording, they would just be panting all the way through. Yeah. So we've left them upstairs, and the only way we can do that and get away with it without them whining to, to be down here with us is to put on Gilmore Girls. Well, we it's a it's really a process. We have to sneak down here, but at separate times, so they don't see us leaving at the same time. Right. We both have to be very quiet about going downstairs. Usually what I will do is leave the living room and go into the bedroom, come back to the living room, go into the laundry room, come back to the living room, go back to the bedroom, to the living room, and then sneak downstairs. So that way they're, <laughs> they're tricked into thinking, oh yeah, she's just going in the other room, but right. she'll be right back. Sure, right. And the Gilmore Girls offers you cover to do that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. so that's where we are. You'll probably hear the Gilmore Girls in the background. Today, they're learning about Luke's dark day. <laughs> and probably you'll hear Banjo ticking down over the stairs any moment now. <laughs> I go first. I'm going to talk about, uh, this is kind of a weird medical condition. It's a disorder. It's called folie et doux. Wikipedia describes it this way. Folie et doux is a shared psychosis or shared delusional disorder, a psychiatric syndrome in which symptoms of a delusional belief and sometimes hallucinations are transmitted from one individual to another. This is incredible and weird. And also, for some reason, every time you talk about hallucinations, you say hallucinations. And I'm just excited to see how many times you say hallucinations. (laughs) Hallucinations. Hallucinations. (laughs) Um, Anyway, they're transmitted from one individual to another. Uh, The same syndrome shared by more than uh, two people may be called fully a trois. Sure. Or... Fally a twat. I beg your pardon? <laughs> it's most commonly diagnosed when uh, two or more individuals concerned live in proximity and may be socially or personally isolated and have little interaction with other people. It's a situation where two people considered to suffer independently from psychosis 
influence the content of each other's delusions so they become identical or strikingly similar, or one in which two people morbidly predisposed to delusional psychosis mutually trigger symptoms in each other. Which I think is really fascinating because it lends itself to the idea that maybe, possibly, all of our reality is something that we've all mutually agreed on. Yeah. Maybe it's not at all what we think it is, but because we've all mutually agreed uh, by way of this folly of millions mm-hmm. uh, that, <laughs> that it is the way it is, that we perceive it that way. That's true, because reality really is just what the, uh, the general consensus is of the majority of people experiencing said event. So it's really weird, and such is the strange case of the Ericsson twins. According to Ranker, the Swedish Ericsson twins, uh, they made headlines in 2008 after a, a series of very bizarre events took place in the United Kingdom. Are you familiar with the... Uh, I do not think so. The Ericsson twins. Well, the situation began in 2008 when Ursula, who was living in the U.S. at the time, decided to visit her twin sister, Sabina, in Ireland. So she made the trip over. Jealous, by the way. And within 24 hours of her arrival, they both took a ferry to Liverpool. In Liverpool... The twins went to the St. Anne Street Police Station. They wanted to report concerns over Sabina's children. Now, she had left her children with her partner back in Ireland. From there, they got on a a bus, a National Express coach to London. And that's when things really started to get bizarre. The reports say that the twins initially refused to check their bags and they became enraged when the bus uh, staff attempted to take their luggage from them and stow them under the bus, which is what you do. Okay. They became very um, antagonistic and the bus stopped at a service station on the M6 in Staffordshire and the driver who was becoming quite frustrated with the twins by their behavior, kicked them off the bus. They were now stranded, so they started walking the M6 motorway. And I don't know if you've ever seen the M6, either pictures of it or in films. It's not designed for pedestrians. And so as they're walking along, motorists started to become concerned about their safety. Sure. So they started calling in to the police and telling them that two women were just wandering about on the M6. After receiving calls of two women disrupting traffic and causing chaos, uh, local authorities sent police officers out to investigate. Now, this particular group of police that responded had a film crew in tow because they were filming a TV show called Motorway Cops. I'm sure one of a few of my mom's favorites. My mom loves any sort of cop show. Cop reality stuff. Especially cop reality shows from outside of the states so then she's like did you know that they call the drunk the boot yeah open the boot yeah Yeah. so we get to talk about the the fun language differences of various police enforcement (laughs) (laughs) international law enforcement officials Mm. so the cops with their crew cameras in hand reported to the scene the film crew actually captured all the bizarre events that took place on film 
Okay. So they got there. The officials, law enforcement officials, were expecting to show up and find a couple of dead women because their reports were talking about them darting out into traffic and things like that. Mm. But they got there and they were not harmed, but they were, in fact, doing just that, running out into traffic. So, Is there a chance that there was a chicken on the roadway? Trying, attempting to cross the road? Yes. And you think maybe Ursula and Sabina were trying to figure out why the chicken crossed the road? No, just trying to help the chicken. Uh, Never mind. Officers tried to calm the twins. Uh, As they did that, Ursula suddenly darted out into traffic and she was struck by a large truck. Oh, no. Her sister Sabina immediately followed her and she was hit by a speeding sedan, somersaulting over the hood and then the windshield before landing in um, a third lane of traffic. Both women suffered multiple injuries. Was the bird okay? There there was no birds. Oh, yes. Okay. Sorry. So the Erickson sisters, they're out there lying on the pavement of the M6. They're severely wounded after being struck by vehicles. Police and paramedics were there. They were trying to help them. Ursula's legs were crushed. Oh, Jesus. Leaving her immobilized. Sabina was unconscious for about a quarter hour. But as the emergency responders attempted to help the twins, they became resistant. Again, according to Ranker, Sabina began screaming, quote, they're going to steal your organs. And then telling paramedics, quote, I recognize you. I know you're not real. Sabina then, almost with superhuman strength, rose to her feet and punched a female patrol officer in the face who was trying to help her and then... To restrain her. She had been hit by a motor vehicle, right? tumbled along the asphalt of the M6, and then got up and punched a police officer in the face. Jeez Louise. They were both subdued shortly after that. A few days after the arrest in uh, May of 2018, they released Sabina, authorities did, and just let her wander off. That sounds like a terrible plan. Yeah, it ended up being a very bad idea. Was she, Ursula still? Ursula was released soon after that. Okay. Sabina ran into two men walking a dog and asked if they knew of a bed and breakfast that she could stay at. And one of the guys, he was 54 years old, a licensed paramedic named Glenn Hollingshed, invited Sabina to his home for the evening, give her a place to stay. Uh... (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of my interpretation of that as well. But back at his house, he had a friend staying there, too, a guy named Peter Malloy. You know, they they were just good Samaritans. They they offered her a place to stay. Mm -hmm. And then they started noticing increasingly bizarre behavior. She would... Well, I'm just surprised that she was concerned that the paramedics were going to take her organs. But she was like, yes, strange man, I'll stay with you and your man friend. And he happens to be a paramedic. Oh, yeah, that too. But she would do weird things like offer the men cigarettes. And uh, then as soon as they would put them in their mouth, she would grab them away from them, grab the cigarettes away from them and claiming that they were poison. Um, She would stand and peer out the window as if she was looking for someone. Malloy left later that evening. And the next day, Glenn was making some food and he didn't have any any tea bags. So he went next door to borrow some tea bags. Did I say something wrong? No. I mean, you said borrow. Yeah. Borrow. So he goes next door and asks if he can have some of their tea bags. (laughs) 
And they said yes, and he thanked them, tipped his cap, I envision, you know. Of course. Um, Polite man. Yeah, it was a sunny day in a little country cottage in England, and he strolled. Tally-ho. Yep, strolled across the lawn with his tea bags, and then Sabina came out and stabbed him and killed him. What? Yeah, she stabbed him five times with a butcher knife. Holy shit. And then she ran off. But before she did, she stole his hammer, and she was spotted on a road nearby not too long after this occurred oh my God. Um, by, a, um, by a witness who said she was just hitting herself repeatedly in the head with this hammer. So this guy, a passing motorist, stopped to try to help her. Clearly, this woman is troubled. Right. So then Erickson turned the hammer on this guy, and she wasn't able to hit him with the hammer, but... She found a piece of roof tile and hit him in the head with that. Oh, my God. And he fled on foot. Paramedics, they soon got involved. They gave chase to Sabina, who attempted to flee them by jumping off a 40-foot bridge into a river. Was it that she was so concerned that they were going to harm her? Yeah, That she didn't have concerns about her well-being? Yeah. Or was it that she feels like she's impenetrable? Like, what's... I think it's... I don't know. My my thought is it was fear-driven. Wow. So after the plunge off a 40-foot bridge, she did survive, but she suffered multiple fractures and she was arrested and charged with murder. Her defense team argued that she suffered from folie deux, or shared psychosis with her twin sister Ursula. They, they shared similar reactions to um, identical situations, which seemed irrational. They, it caused intense delusions, and they said that that is what uh, caused her to commit her crimes. The judge determined that she had low culpability for her crimes because of her diminished mental state, and uh, she was sentenced to five years. He said, I understand that this sentence will seem entirely inadequate to the relatives of the deceased. However, I have sentenced on the basis that the reason for the killings was the mental illness and therefore culpability of the defendant is low and therefore the sentence I have passed is designed to protect the public. Now, how's her sister doing at this point? How how do we know that they're suffering from the same psychosis? Like, I mean, obviously they both were doing that roadway freak out, but did Ursula behave oddly after leaving jail as well what makes us think that they were sharing that psychosis and maybe hadn't shared like a blunt or something before (laughs) you know Uh, i mean obviously laced with something yeah (laughs) yeah so he sentenced sabina to five years in prison and was sent to bronzefield women's prison while she was in there she uh she became a born-again christian And since she had already spent 439 days in custody before sentencing, that left her eligible for release in 2011, which she was. Ursula reportedly went back to the United States after the incident. Sabina was released in 2011. At that point, she disappeared and her whereabouts are still unknown. Oh, wow. They don't know where she is. She's just gone. Which is weird because you would think that she would have to report to a probation officer. You would think so. Did she seem well? I mean, was that part of the decision to release her? I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess she was she was pretty well behaved and seemed to be adjusting well while she was incarcerated. But when she left, she just disappeared and they don't know where she is. That's not great. No, no. Now, I am familiar with the term folie adieu because of the uh, 
the sisters, the Papin sisters, Papin sisters, I don't know how to pronounce it, but they were French sisters Mm -hmm. who worked as maids. And that might be a a fun story to explore at some point. What did they do? Uh, They murdered their employers. Did they? Yeah. 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 Um, I came across another story of a 53-year-old woman who had a delusion that her family was trying to poison her. And her son started to believe it, too. Oh. First, when he was he was younger, she would not um, feed him as often as he needed to be fed because she was afraid people were trying to poison him as well. Mm-hmm. And then he began to believe it himself and wouldn't eat. Oh. Yeah. It is fascinating how complex and bizarre the human mind is. We've said it before. Brains are terrifying. And now, that thing in the middle. Brian shared a question on the Freaks group on Facebook. Y'all have any weird phobias? Like, don't come here and say spiders or heights or some boring shit. I mean, weird, weird phobias. And there were some amazing responses. Number five, Jenna says, I'm terrified of stickers. I can't eat fruit. If there's a sticker on the skin, we have a friend. We have a friend, Mandy. Yep. Same same deal. Same deal. Uh, she said, I won't buy books, etc. if they put a sticker directly on the item. My 10-year-old brother chases me with them. He's evil. That's not right. Joanne writes, my daughter is scared of pineapples. Yes, pineapples. Well, we are prickly. Can be, I guess. And we did do um, a story about how workers at pineapple factories have to wear protective skin cover like gloves because the enzymes in pineapple juice will dissolve human flesh. Yeah, pineapple is the only fruit that eats you while you're eating it. And we had a fun thread the other day about uh, geographic tongue and fissured tongue. Yeah, yeah. And so many people with geographic tongue cannot eat pineapple because Mm. the acid in it is just so painful for them. Anyway, what were we saying? Oh, yes, pineapple. Number three, Katie says, my phobia is the toilet tank lid. Um, I can't be in the same room if the lid is removed from a toilet tank. She said she had a bad dream, a nightmare once, and it just stuck with her. Oh, wow. Number two, Marie says, Will Smith. I'm deathly afraid of Will Smith. What? Yeah, I know he seems like a nice guy, but I'm terrified. And number one, Maggie says, my dog is afraid of forks. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids, and they live about 3,000 miles away, and my daughter is expecting a child, and she has been sending me updates on her baby bump through the aura frame. And since I can't be there to experience it with her, it's the next best thing. And speaking of mothers, if you're looking for the perfect gift to celebrate your mom in your life... Aura Frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames. It allows you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and super easy to share photos with the Aura app. And here's the thing, if you're giving Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. We love Aura Frames and living so far away from family, thanks to Aura, it's the next best thing. It's like, it's like almost being there. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Box of Oddities freaks can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout, and you will save. 
Thanks, Aura Frames, for bringing my family a little bit closer. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. When I was a kid, I had expected chores, and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? <sighs> Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know the last time Jethro and I were face-to-face, -face, we went hunting for celebrity gravestones? Everyone acts surprised. This is The Box of Oddities. Lacey sent us an email at curator at theboxofoddities.com. So we used to live two doors down from my ex-mother-in-law. Yikes, am I right? She was put on serotonin and took it at night because it always made her sleepy. Turns out it did a lot more than that. One morning I woke up, and when I started making breakfast, I realized our tub of butter was gone. Odd, because I knew we had just bought a large tub of butter. But maybe we just left it at the grocery store somehow? 
So we decided to run over to her house to borrow some butter. Uh, it's the South. Breakfast is not breakfast without butter. Uh, groggy and sleepy-eyed, she opened the door, and lo and behold, on the living room side table sat a very familiar-looking but empty tub of butter and a bag of pretzel crumbs. Upon inspection, it was decided that this bitch must have sleepwalked her way over to our house, sleep-thieved our butter from our fridge, and then used it as a dip to sleep-eat an entire bag of pretzels and then tucked herself back into bed. She once walked in on us having sex in the middle of the day and that wasn't enough to make us lock the door but butter, never again. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Thanks, Lacey. That's magical. Keep your butter secured. So what do you got for me? Or as the kids say, what you got for me? What, what you, what, what you, what you got for me? What, 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 what you got for me? It's all the rage with the youngsters, I'm yep, told. Yep, yep. All right. So this, by request, uh, recently my aunt started listening to the podcast. And so she told my mom that she'd been listening to the podcast. So then my mom was like, well, how do I listen to the podcast? And I'm like, mom, it's been two years. But yeah, fine, sure. <laughs> listen to the podcast. So um, my mom requested rabies. Oh, rabies. Yep. So today we're talking about rabies. I can't believe we've done 246 episodes, two topics per episode, Mm -hmm. and we haven't covered rabies yet. Right. Well, I thought I knew about rabies until you start learning about rabies and you're like, oh, fuck, I don't know shit about rabies. Teach me about rabies. Here we go. Each year, rabies kills more than 59,000 people. Wow. Yeah. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the hardest hit countries are those in Asia and Africa. Rabies is present in most countries, but according to Canadian Food Inspection Agency, some places are currently noted as being free from rabies. A rabies-free zone. Yeah. Most of them are islands. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Not a lot of rabies on St. Kitts. Rabies is caused by a number of lysoviruses. The origin of the word rabies is either from Sanskrit, rabhas, to do violence, or the Latin rabir, which means to rage. The ancient Greeks called rabies lysa, which means violence. That's funny because lysa sounds so peaceful. Lysa? And, and calming. Very I don't calming. think so at all. Lysa? Lysa, no. Lysa? I don't know. It's, it's like... It has the same effect on me that somebody going, shh, has. Really? Yeah, it lulls me into a false sense of security before they eat me. Oh, yeah. Well, that's that's what will happen. Okay. Yeah. Rabies has been known since around 2000 BCE. The first written record of rabies is in the Mesopotamian Kotex of Eshnana, uh, 1930 BCE, which dictates that the owner of a dog showing symptoms of rabies should take preventive measures against bites. It's good, yeah. good advice. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the Mosaic Esmunda Code of Babylon... In 2300 BCE, Babylonians had to pay a fine if their dog transmitted rabies to another person. Again, fair. Yeah, I wonder what what kind of fine had to be paid in ancient Babylonia. I don't know what the the fine exactly was, but I would imagine it was abalone. <laughs> Babylonian abalone. Ooh, that sounds like it would be fun to say. Or or other seafood. I don't uh, fucking yeah. know. Who cares? 
So, in the first century AD, the Roman scholar Celsus correctly suggested that rabies was transmitted by the saliva of a biting animal. Any mammal can harbor and transmit the virus, but smaller mammals, such as rodents, rarely become infected or transmit rabies. Rabbits are very unlikely to spread rabies. I thought all mammals were highly susceptible to rabies. Well, as I said, any mammal can harbor and transmit the virus, but the smaller rodents, less likely to. uh, Rabbits, very less likely to. Cute little bunny. Right? While most animals will demonstrate some signs of illness, such as aggression or lack of balance, uh, sometimes the foaming, so on and so Mm -hmm, forth, mm -hmm. uh, some may not have noticeable symptoms at all. Really? Which is terrifying. So you could be walking around all rabid Mm -hmm. and nobody would know it. Yeah. And you could be like passing on your rabid spit. Just licking your rabies onto randos and they don't even know. So something that you can do is protect yourself with pre-exposure vaccines. If you are in an environment where you are at high risk of exposure, like if you work in a profession where you are in veterinary services or animal control or something like that, there are vaccines available to help protect you from, I would I was going to say accepting the, the rabies virus. Contracting. But I, I imagine that most people would say, no, I do not accept. Mm. So if you're not expecting it and you are exposed, medical attention should be sought immediately, even though symptoms may not occur right away. According to the International Association for Medical Assistance to Travelers, after the bite of an infected animal, rabies symptoms may take weeks, months, or in some cases, years to appear in humans. This is the incubation period, and it can vary uh, depending on a lot of things. Your body defenses may be better at holding it off, so your incubation time may be longer. The distance of the bite from your brain affects how long it will take to incubate. And the type of rabies infection will make a difference in how long it takes to incubate. If you were vaccinated against the rabies uh, before the bite, obviously, of course, that will make a difference as well. The long incubation period of rabies can make diagnosis and treatment very difficult because if you're bit by something and within, you know, three weeks, nothing's happened, you may kind of just forget that it happened. Like, oh, okay, it wasn't a big deal. No worries here. Next thing you know, they're tying you to a, a beam in a barn so that you can't infect people. That's right. And you're trying to gnaw your way out mm-hmm. through the ropes yeah. with your teeth. And then they call for an exorcist because they're confused. Sure. So there are a couple different types of rabies. There's furious or encephalitic rabies, which occurs in 80% of human cases. Uh, That person is likely to experience hyperactivity and hydrophobia. And then there's paralytic or dumb rabies, which paralysis is the dominant symptom. Wow. They call it dumb rabies. Yeah. Which is really just insult to injury. Like I've already got rabies. Yeah. You don't have to call it dumb. So symptoms. 
So your first symptoms of rabies may be very similar to those of the flu. You're going to have general weakness or discomfort, maybe a fever or headache, and these symptoms might last for days. There's also around the, the bite mark, you might have a prickling or itchy sensation, which will progress within days to uh, symptoms of cerebral dysfunction, anxiety, confusion, eventually agitation. As the disease progresses, the person might experience abnormal behavior like hydrophobia, the fear of water. That I always found fascinating. It's one of those really interesting cases where a virus works for itself. I remember as a kid, we had a camp on a lake and we used to uh, put food out for the raccoons mm -hmm. at night so we could watch them eat. And we'd put a bucket of water out there because raccoons will wash their food in water. Yeah. And I was told that if they don't wash their food in water to be concerned that perhaps they are rabid. Oh, interesting. Well, the, here's the thing. It's not just a fear of water. Intense spasms in the throat are triggered when mm. those affected uh, try to swallow. Even the thought of swallowing water can cause spasms. This is where the fear comes from. The thing is, the excess saliva that occurs... Because they can't swallow. Because they can't swallow is what transmits the oh, virus. I see. So if they could swallow it, they'd be a lot less likely to transmit. And, and we describe it as foaming at the mouth. Mm-hmm. It, but it uh, can appear that way. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a lot of spit. Maybe it's just a really angry guy who drools. Maybe. You don't know. Maybe they're doing one of those teeth whitening systems. <laughs> Other symptoms include hallucinations. Shut up. <laughs> Nightmares, insomnia, priapism, which is a permanent painful erection. Oh, my. Or photophobia, the fear of light. I don't think any of those things sound very nice. No. Uh, once these signs of rabies appear, the disease is almost always fatal. One theory about the death of Edgar Allan Poe is that he was exposed to rabies. Really? So he was first delirious. He had tremors and hallucinations, and then he slipped into a coma. He came out of his coma very combative, went back into a coma, and then eventually died. Well, that answers a lot of questions because his demise was very mysterious. Right. And it's, you know, it's just a theory. There are many, but it's one of them. So, yeah, he 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 died. Not sure that it was from rabies, but it could have been. And his death may have been for the best because historically we've not had a great handle on treatment for rabies. Yeah, you just tie them to a beam in your barn. Right. The Roman scholar Celsus suggested that a cure for rabies was holding the victim under water. So, which, which they don't like water to begin with. If you didn't drown, yeah. you then died of rabies. I see, I see. Other cures, quote unquote, for rabies included burning the wounds with a hot poker and a hair of the dog method, which uh, invokes the use of similars. So you remember we've talked about this before, right. where for a period of time, we had this idea that things could be cured by things that were similar to it. So, uh, for instance, if you had rabies, uh, you took a bunch of hair from a rabid animal and put it on your wound. 
That should fix it, right? <laughs> yeah, I can feel it healing already. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that's that's prickly infection setting in. Sometimes it would be ingestion of fur of a <sighs> rabid animal oh that God. was suggested. Anyway, 18th century America. Uh, Matt Stone's were uh, calcified hairballs found in the stomachs of ruminants, such as cows, goats, and deer. They were thought to have curative powers. Who uh, comes so, up with this stuff? Yeah, Who's the first know. guy to say, here, I found this hard thing in a cow's stomach. Eat it. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Jenna Geis was 15 years old in September of 2004. Jenna was bitten on the left index finger by a rabid bat she tried to rescue at her church. Um, Her mother washed her wound, which is advised, of course, Mm -hmm. but didn't know that her daughter needed to be vaccinated. So she began exhibiting symptoms. And when she started to get serious symptoms, a lot of the medical community would have thought that her fate was sealed. So as I said, she was bit in September. It was September 12th. October 13th is when she started seeing symptoms. So over a month later, she had flu-like symptoms. I can hear the dogs in the background. Gilmore Girls must be over. (laughs) (laughs) She was feeling weak. She had a fever and headache. She became very fatigued and by the next day was experiencing double vision. That must have been horrifying. Well, yeah, for sure. So she was rushed to the Children's Hospital of Wisconsin on the 18th of October with slurred speech, fever, vomiting. They did a skin sample and it was analyzed by the CDC and tested positive for rabies. Wow. The doctor there, Dr. Willoughby, was a pediatric infectious disease specialist. He had read up on rabies medical literature upon her arrival, and lucky for her, he was inspired to rethink how rabies was viewed and treated. So he didn't make her eat a hard thing he found in a cow's he stomach. did not. Good. Yeah. Got some good doctoring. So he determined that rabies neither kills by destroying neurons or causing inflammation of the brain, but instead causes excitotoxicity, which overstimulates the brain and causes the cells to die. So he concluded that the human immune system can fight off the virus if it has enough time. So the thing is, rabies just gets to your brain and kind of fries it out. But if you could hold off, if you could slow its progression long enough, your body will will treat itself. So Jenna's survival was a matter of time. Her brain had to be protected, and that meant they instituted what is now called the Milwaukee Protocol. It called for her to be put into a coma. They administered a variety of drugs, ketamine, woot, Um, And (laughs) another drug which kind of would complement ketamine and lessen its tendency to cause hallucinations and two antiviral medicines. Six days after first receiving the concoction of drugs, a spinal tap revealed that Jenna's body was producing rabies antibodies. Holy shit. That's a great sign of recovery. Jenna became the world's first known survivor of rabies. Wow. And this was what year again? 2004. Just not that long ago. Yeah. In in the grander scheme of things. And this is according to nature.com. After Jenna was taken out of her coma, she was placed in rehabilitation to relearn how to talk, walk, stand, etc. Despite her doctor's worries, Jenna is, and this is a quote, pretty much normal. 
<laughs> according to Dr. Willoughby. Uh, she does have some lasting side effects, including uh, trouble with running and balance, and she speaks more slowly than she did before becoming infected. But to date, there are less than 20 cases of human survival from clinical rabies that have been documented. That is amazing. But you can get vaccinated and you're fine. Well, I shouldn't say you're fine. Your likelihood of kicking it are much lesser if you're vaccinated. So rabies affects you in ways that I did not know. Kills you much later than I thought. There are very few rabid rabbits. There are symptoms that I didn't know about. And I had no idea how fatal it was until 2004. And now... They figured it out. Yeah, you're pretty good. So there, that's rabies. And this is a good place to, to stop because um, I think the dogs are tearing the upstairs apart. <laughs> we are dog sitting currently. And so it, having an extra dog in the mix is delightful and wonderful, but it does cause a little extra agitation. Willie's very territorial. Indeed. Of course, he's not able to move around as well as he used to, so he's just territorial from the couch. Yes. It involves a lot of barking. A lot of barking. (laughs) Thanks for hanging out with us, freaks. We look forward to uh, doing the same with you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so... Let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be.